I remember looking in the mirror one day, and I, I had no hair. I had pulled it all out. I was so frail and thin. And then I remember looking into my eyes. There was no hope. There was no life in my eyes. And I remember looking at myself and saying, what happened to that girl that had those dreams? What happened to that princess that felt loved at home, that wanted to be successful, that wanted to travel, and wanted to be somebody? You are nobody. You're trash. You're just a dead person walking the world. And I remember that one day I sat on the sidewalk curb and I wept because I thought to myself, am I going to die on the streets? What's going to happen to my life? What's going to become of me? Hey, everybody. That woman you just heard, her name is Patricia Sandoval. In that moment, she describes, it's what she says is her rock bottom moment. Today, Patricia is a happy and successful woman living in California. She's an author and a speaker. But back in that moment, Patricia thought she was nothing. This week on the podcast, Patricia shares the story of her experience with abortion. It's a powerful story. And guys, just yesterday, the results of a study of women who've had abortions came out. It studied more than 600 women. And it said that five years after their abortions, 99% of them said they'd made the right decision. And 84% of women said they had mostly positive feelings about their abortions or no feelings about them at all. That study has made a lot of headlines. But Patricia, Patricia had a different experience. She didn't have mostly positive feelings about her abortions. She didn't feel mostly relief. She didn't know or think that she'd made the right decision. Patricia has had a hard road, but her story is important. Her voice is important. So this week, Patricia tells us her story. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host and CNA's editor-in-chief, J.D. Flynn. Stay with us. You've reached the CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. Welcome to CNA Newsroom. There are a few moments that stand out in Patricia Sandoval's mind when she looks back on her childhood. She says she remembers the first time she heard about God as a father during classes to prepare for her first Holy Communion. She says she remembers that after receiving First Communion, she traded prayer for palm reading and for psychics. She was following her family's lead, she says. My whole family, we just uh, really drifted away from what was a Catholic faith and truth. There's one other moment that really stands out in Patricia's childhood memories. It happened in the sixth grade back in Petaluma, California, where Patricia grew up. I remember they announced that we were going to have a sexual education course, that Planned Parenthood would come to our school and they would give us a course on sexuality. And I had to obtain a permission slip. And I remember I asked my mom if I could attend this course. And my mom is a very brilliant intellectual woman. Um, and she said, great that these educators are coming and they're going to teach you guys to be responsible. I remember when I got to school, the first thing on my desk that I see is a banana with a ton of condoms. And I remember looking um, around and, you know, all my classmates had the banana with the condoms. And we all started to giggle. And it was kind of embarrassing, you know, um, because 
Truly, at the age of 12, back in the 90s, this was 1992, I never even thought about sex, and I was still playing with Barbie dolls. So this was, uh, this was pretty hard work for me. The Planned Parenthood instructor told Patricia and her classmates about the stages of pregnancy. Patricia remembers hearing that until five months of gestation, there was a pregnancy, but there wasn't really a child. And they told us, you know, that abortion was a woman's right. It was part of a woman's body, and it was her choice. You know, so if there's ever an unwanted pregnancy, you, know, you can come to our clinic. We hand out free condoms, free birth control, and they taught us what birth control was and how to take it. And we would never tell your parents. So it kind of sounded like they, were, they had our back and they had our support. Sex wasn't something Patricia's family talked about, ever. We never spoke about sexuality at home. We never spoke about chastity. I had no idea what chastity was. But I think it also comes from my culture. It's very shameful to talk about sex at home. It's even almost like street school. Basically, if these, you know, counselors and these doctors are coming into your school saying, you know, this is what truth is, you're going to believe that. And you're going to confide in them. In the years to follow, Patricia's parents got a divorce. She started living mostly with her father. She said that really affected her. So I was that typical teenager that was pretty much stuck up at school. Um, everything was about me. I had my goals, my dreams. I wanted to travel. I mean, I was a straight-A student because I wanted to have success. I wanted to make a lot of money when I grew up. I wanted to drive the best cars. Pretty popular in school. Um, it was all about me. Still, Patricia said she was a bit of a late bloomer among her friends. She met her first boyfriend at the age of 19, and when she met him, she was still a virgin. In her school, that was a really big deal. I remember I'd get bullied in school because I was still a virgin. You know, everybody, my friends would say, oh my gosh, you're like the only virgin in school. You know, you're, you've been dating your boyfriend for six months. What are you waiting for? Patricia remembered what the Planned Parenthood instructor had told her back in the sixth grade, that sex was natural, and that if she was going to have sex, she should have safe sex. She stopped by a Planned Parenthood clinic, and they gave her a bunch of free condoms. Six months after Patricia and her boyfriend started having sex, Patricia began to feel really nauseous. And I remember when I took that pregnancy test, I mean, it was like crisis, like, whoa, like, this is, this is not success. This is a complete failure. This is not what I wanted. I thought I, I was protecting myself from this. And, you know, I just imagined all my dreams, everything that I had envisioned for my life, it, it just all fell apart. Patricia told her boyfriend, and actually she says he was really supportive. He was excited about the idea of being a father, and he promised that he would take care of Patricia and their baby. So together, they scheduled their first appointment with her gynecologist when Patricia was eight weeks pregnant. And I remember the ultrasound. When I looked at the screen, I could see the head, the arms, and I started to feel really happy. I was just so excited about this life. I felt this life going inside of me. But my friends, I remember when they came over one night, they were just crying and saying, you know, this is the worst decision you can you can make right now at this point in your life. You have everything going for you. You're going to ruin your life. You know, it's not a baby yet. Remember what we learned in school. Remember, it's not a baby until it's five months. You know, you have time to have an abortion. Please do not destroy your life. And when they started saying these things, again, that fear came back into my heart. Patricia made an appointment for an abortion at a clinic close to her hometown. The shame you see 
feel when you get out of your vehicle. I mean, the shame you feel when you're about to walk into an abortion clinic. I mean, I was pro-choice, but there's there's a big amount of shame for some reason because deep down there's something that's not okay. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I've never thought that I'd get pregnant and I never thought that I'd be walking into a building like this. Patricia remembers that she felt really scared. She says the abortionist told her about her own abortions and then about her daughter's two abortions. She told Patricia that abortion was the best choice. And I believed her. Patricia said she had some really complicated emotions leaving that abortion clinic. She felt what she described as a hole, like something was missing. But she said she also felt relief. I thought, okay, now I can, I can go ahead and I can go back to work and I can go back to the goals that I had. And I remember that I left with a big bag of birth control pills because, you know, the condom didn't work. So they said, just take your pill every day at the same time. But they never told me about post-abortion syndrome. The only thing they gave me was aspirin. You're going to have some cramping, bleeding, and that's it. That was my post-care instructions. Never had a follow-up appointment. You never have a follow-up appointment after the abortion. And they never told me everything I was going to suffer mentally, emotionally, and even physically. Patricia told her boyfriend that she had had a miscarriage. She remembers that he cried. And I started to have those guilty feelings because I knew that, that I lied and that I had an abortion. And he was very affected by the loss. He started having nightmares. Patricia began to experience anxiety and depression. She developed an eating disorder and trichotillomania, a mental illness linked to stress in which you pull out your own hair. But Patricia said she never linked her own mental health problems with the abortion. She started to take the birth control pill every day at the same time. But six months after her abortion, the nausea came back. I thought there's no way I'm pregnant. I'm being responsible and practicing safe sex. I'm being, you know, taking my pill. And the pregnancy test came out positive. This time, Patricia didn't even bother telling her boyfriend or her friends. She says that, quite frankly, she was embarrassed that she got pregnant again. They're going to think that I'm really stupid and that I don't know how to be responsible. Patricia said she was too ashamed even to make an appointment at the same clinic as the last time. So she scheduled an abortion at a different clinic. She told herself that this time she wouldn't cry. I decided to do this. This is going to be easy. It's the second time. I'm going to master this. Patricia told us that the abortionist literally applauded her during the abortion. You're so courageous, Patricia. You're probably like the only patient that I've had during an abortion that's not kicking. You're making my job so easy. You are so great. The nurses gave Patricia a cup of tea and some cookies, some aspirin. Patricia left the clinic with three condoms and a bag of birth control pills. But this time, she didn't feel any relief. She went into a tailspin. I really did want to, you know, kill myself after the second abortion. I was so miserable. The anxiety was worse. The hair pulling was worse. The anorexia was worse. And... Six months later, Patricia found herself pregnant a third time. And I was angry. I thought, wait, what's going on? I'm being responsible. I'm doing what they taught me in school. I'm doing what they told me at the clinic. Why is this not working? I was so furious. This time, Patricia told her boyfriend that she was pregnant and that she would have an abortion. He asked her not to, 
When it was clear that she had made up her mind, he decided to come with her. And, you know, the poor guy went to the abortion clinic. He didn't want to be there. And I remember when the vacuum down, you know, it's literally a vacuum machine. Um, when they turned it on, he held my hand so tight. I mean, I, I had no circulation in my hand, so I knew he was scared. And when I look at his reaction, and I felt so guilty, and I thought to myself, three abortions in a year and a half? What kind of, what, how did I get to, how did it get to this point? Patricia broke up with her boyfriend. She packed up and moved to Sacramento, hoping for a fresh start. She was still young. She thought maybe she could still have the life she dreamed of. While she was looking for a job in Sacramento, Patricia saw that Planned Parenthood was advertising for a bilingual nurse. She wasn't trained as a nurse, but Patricia spoke Spanish, and she had worked as a medical receptionist in the past. So she applied for the job, and she got it. The first day I started working at Planned Parenthood, they told me that it was prohibited to use the word baby, mother, father, he, she, and I couldn't even use the word fetus because the word fetus gives human dignity. Anything that gave human dignity to what was inside the woman's womb was completely prohibited. She says she was told she wasn't allowed to show the screen to patients during ultrasounds. She said she was also prohibited from being friendly. Because most women would cry when they come in for their abortion. And they wanted a way out. They wanted another option. And I couldn't look at them and say, hey, why are you crying? You don't have to do this. There's other options. Patricia remembers that she felt skeptical. But she followed the rules. Until, she says, one day she was invited to assist with an abortion. I never thought that I would see what I saw and live what I lived. Women screaming. Women being dragged down the hall. Women terrified. Blood all over the exam room. Patricia stood behind the abortionist and watched the abortion take place. Afterwards, she went into the back room to make sure the abortion was complete. She was responsible for going through a bag of everything that the abortionist had removed from the patient. I thought that I would find a sack of tissue. And to my surprise, I see a baby that's just in pieces. And the woman that was training me, she took these tweezers out and she started to lift the leg, the arm. And said, you need to find five pieces of the baby. That way we can tell that the um, abortion was successful. And I will never forget when she lifted up the hand, the first thing that I noticed on the fingers were the fingerprints. And the fingerprints identify us as authentic human beings. Nobody else in the world has your fingerprint. That's what makes you special because you're different. And I remember seeing this and thinking, this is not a sack of tissue. This is a three-month baby, you know, that is, that's in pieces, and I was lied to. Patricia worked at that Planned Parenthood clinic for a whole month, and then she left. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't see any more babies in a trash can. I couldn't anymore. It was too painful. And I ran out of that place, and I never went back. But I didn't know who God was. I, I didn't know where to, uh, I didn't know where to find healing or consolation. So I found it in drugs. <laughs> Never thought I would do drugs. Patricia became addicted to meth. She lived on the streets of Sacramento for three years. I mean, I, at this point, hit rock bottom. I had nothing to eat, nothing to drink. I had nothing. I mean, I was by myself. 
And I remember I wept. And as I was weeping, I started to remember my preparation for my first communion. I started to remember the connection and the love that I have for God the Father. I remember God at that point. But I think that was a grace that came upon me because I started to feel that God the Father was looking at me through the clouds and that He was really there. And I decided to look up at the sky and to talk to God. And I said, no, I don't know who you are, but I know that you exist. I know that you're you're real. I remember you when I was little. I, I destroyed my life from the choices that I've made. And I know that every blessing that I had when I was young, it came from you. And I want to ask you to forgive me for destroying my life. At that moment, a waitress from a restaurant nearby ran out and gave Patricia a hug. Her name was Bonnie. Bonnie told Patricia that she'd seen her crying on the sidewalk and that she felt moved to come out and tell her that Jesus loved her and that God would be with her. Not everything that you've done in your life, he forgives you. And I don't care where you live or how far I have to drive, but you're going home today. You're going to go home. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Kevin Jones. I'm a longtime journalist with Catholic News Agency. I want to thank you for listening to CNA Newsroom. We bring you the voices behind the headlines. We explore our world together with an eye towards our faith. If you enjoy CNA Newsroom as much as I do, be sure and subscribe to the show. You'll never miss an episode. Subscribing is easy and free on any podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Just open your phone's podcast app, then search for CNA Newsroom. Click the subscribe button. That way, you'll get our episodes as soon as we post them. Happy listening, and make sure you check out episode 22, featuring yours truly, Kevin Jones. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We are halfway through the heartbreaking story of Patricia Sandoval. And we just heard about how she reached a point of rock bottom and she asked God for forgiveness. And she decided that it was time to go home. It took her a while to find her mom's address, but she did. And then, as promised, Bonnie drove her home. Patricia was surprised to learn that her mom had reverted to her Catholic faith about three years prior, around the time Patricia quit her job at the Planned Parenthood Clinic. And she had been praying for Patricia for those three years. And thanks to her, you know, I, I, I got to know who our Lord was. And thanks to her, I went back to, to the confessional and daily mass, and I really healed. Patricia told her mom about her abortions. And her mom told her about a retreat offered by Rachel's Vineyard for people affected by abortion. Patricia signed up for one of those retreats. She said she walked into the retreat feeling like she was a murderer. You know, I knew God forgave me for, for those abortions, but I just couldn't forgive myself because I knew where my three children ended up. They ended up in the trash can because 
Not only did I know this, but I, I saw this. The next day, she was in a moment of group prayer when she said she saw, like had a vision of her own three children jumping with joy. They were jumping with joy. And they said something that I never thought I would hear. They said, Mother, we love you. We're praying for you. And I thought, wait, Mother? I mean, I thought it was a murderer. I thought it was an assassin. And they said, we love you. And I think what really healed me, um, and I think this is what healed women when they go to this retreat and when they get post-abortive healing, is not only does God forgive you, of course, and repent, but your children do too. When I saw their mercy and their forgiveness, this changed everything for me. I feel that sometimes our silence um, helps abortion. And I feel that maybe uh, if I speak, many, many women and men can heal and, and maybe one baby can be saved. Patricia attended that Rachel's Vineyard retreat back in 2006, four years after reuniting with her mom and reverting back to her Catholic faith. In 2007, she began to share her story, first in Latin America and now in the U.S. Today, she shared it with us. Thanks for listening. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host and CNA's editor-in-chief, J.D. Flynn. We're produced and edited by Kate Oliveira and Jonah McKeown. Our executive producer is Kate Oliveira. A very special thanks this week to Patricia Sandoval for sharing her story with us. God bless you guys. Have a good week.